I do want to welcome everybody to another episode of Passports and Poets, conversations about the power of place, the places that change us, and why it matters. I am your co-host, Dr. Chick Morgan, along with my co-host, Rodney Bersiel, who is our Photographer-in-Chief. Photographer-in-Chief. <laughs> we have finally established that. And our special guest today is Andy Casagrande. And he you, is a, you gotta you gotta give the full name. Andy Casagrande. A- Andy Brandy Casagrande. Andy Brandy. I just love saying that. <laughs> Wait, did I Andy Andy Brandy Casagrande? Oh, that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's even better. That's even a more special guest. ABC. Oh, oh, that's what that means. Oh, okay. See, you didn't brief me enough here. You're making me fly on my own here. But Andy Brandy is an award-winning photographer of sharks and other creatures, I believe, and and a leading shark conservationist. So. Um, he is most visibly known, and that was my word, and associated with the Discovery Channel's Shark Week. And there's so much to talk about what you're doing and the adventures that you've had and how you are helping sharks in this world. But I'm going to ask Rodney to just give us the inside scoop about how you two met. Yeah, I, I was on a dive trip going to Guadalupe. And were you, do you, I guess you remember that trip. That was several years ago, but you weren't originally, yeah, you, were you originally booked on that trip or, cause I think we just randomly ran into or you at the hotel or something. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. Uh, Ocean Ramsey and Juan, um, that I think we're running that trip. Yeah, and, Mike uh, Bolton. and Mike Bolton, the silent yeah. hunter. And, uh, I think I had just come back from Guadalupe and they're like, Hey, we're going back to Guadalupe. Do you want to come? I'm like, Sure, I'm addicted. Why not? (laughs) Yeah, so that's. Well, I think that was 2018 when we first met. So we're stoked to be on your show, man. I know it's taken a while to get this lined up, but um, here we are. It it usually does with all our most interesting guests. So we really appreciate you being here today. Um, One of the things I learned about Shark Week is it's the longest running cable TV programmed uh, on on cable TV in history. In history, and it now is in 72 countries. But I was also um, interested in kind of the correlation between what was going on in the world of sharks back in the, what was it, mid-70s, I guess? And um, Well, we all know what was going on well, in the 70s I know. With, I was, with sharks. Didn't want to give them free publicity, <laughs> but there was a certain film that came out and generated a lot of interest and also a lot of um, kind of backlash, I guess. And I understand that there's a relationship between the, uh, the channel with sharks and the interest in sharks, of course, and, and that movie. Can you fill in some of the blanks about how those things got connected and what it's doing? Yeah, certainly. I mean, first of all, don't hold it against me that I worked <laughs> on Discovery Channel and Shark Week and a lot oh, of gosh, the networks. No. <laughs> because, um, you know, as you know, and a lot of people uh, know that, uh, you know, media is media and they create programs to catch your attention to get you to watch a lot of it is very factual and and some of it is is super hyped up but the bottom line is like you brought up jaws um and this isn't even my idea or my concept but a good friend of mine jeff kerr who's a famous shark week producer who um pioneered the air jaws the jumping sharks uh franchise or series whatever you want to call it but uh, i remember seeing for the first time a great white shark launch out of the water 
and grab a seal and it completely blew my mind. I was like, first of all, I thought they were the most amazing predators on the planet to begin with. And then when I learned they could fly, essentially, it was pretty much game over for any other species on the planet with respect yeah. to my fascination. But um, back in the 70s, like you said, I think it was 75, Jaws, Jaws came out. Um, I was born in 77, so I, I didn't get to see it when it came out, but I, I watched it as a kid. And um, it certainly scared the hell out of the entire planet with regards to yeah. sharks. It, it essentially demonized them, anthropomorphized them, turned them into something that was out to get us and something that was a higher cognitive power that was revengeful, lustful, vindictive, malicious, which we've learned now is completely not the case. They, they can look scary on TV, but it's just humans, uh, you know, that's basically, uh, what's the word? Projection. We're projecting these attributes mm -hmm. onto these sharks. But anyway, bottom line is, after Jaws, it became completely commonplace for people to go out and kill sharks. In fact, you were like a hero if you went out and killed sharks, hung them up on a dock in Montauk or anywhere off of California, mm -hmm. anywhere in the world, South Australia, uh, South Africa. You were a hero for ridding the oceans of these demons that were out to eat our children. And it really had a major impact on sharks, not just their, their, um, their image, but their populations. They were the public enemy number one, so to speak. And people would kill, the, kill, the, kill them for fun. And like I said, it became this thing where it was completely acceptable. It was actually supported. It was, it was a, a movement where we have to kill sharks. Well, Shark Week came along in the 80s. And of course, they kind of started out with some shark attack programs, some uh, jaws and claws, they call it to really grab your attention. And the, that was the number one sort of thought on people's minds, getting eaten alive by a shark. So you'd watch the shows. And then as Shark Week grew over the years, uh, the, our, our psyches grew as well. And we started to see past some of like just the scary parts of sharks. We learned like, wow, they swim between continents. They can dive at 4,000 feet. We see them jumping in the air. They're doing all these amazing things. So it developed this cult community, this following where, as you said, it's the longest running cable television event potentially the wrongest longest running event ever like a, a, a special event or whatever yeah. um that that people just couldn't stop watching and then it created these shark lovers these shark fanatics where when they saw someone abusing a shark killing a shark dragging it behind a boat cutting its head off burning its eyes out these people who were doing these horrific things were getting death threats they were getting reported to the fishing game getting reported to the fbi and basically it started to become a, a federal issue where certain species were protected because they were so vulnerable that all these shark killers now became, they became public enemy number one. Mm. They became the target. And I thought it was amazing because it, it, there's no, there's no, uh, well, what's the word? There's no way to refute that sharks are the most famous wildlife creatures on the planet. They obviously mm -hmm. have their own week of television every year for 30 plus years. <laughs> yes, there's Big Cat Week and Croc Week and all that, but they do not compare. <laughs> Plus they, they, they equate saying the word shark uh, to the word fire, screaming fire. Like you scream the word shark at a beach, <laughs> uh, people are gonna freak out. Like you scream the word yeah. shark at an airport, they're probably gonna look around you. <laughs> so anyway, there's good and bad to Shark Week, but I think the majority of people see, uh, they, they develop a fascination as opposed to a fear. And um, there's a mix of science, entertainment, hyped up stuff. And there's a little bit for everyone. They have a ton of celebrities now. I mean, like any other network. That's, that's a whole nother enterprise and, and, and celebrity. I mean, shark you, you got yeah. Shaq in the water. Come on. <laughs> that story with him. 
his agent yeah. didn't want him to get out of the cage. Like he's a multi-million dollar dude, oh, right? Yeah. Every yeah. commercial he does, every appearance he does. <laughs> I mean, he's a, but he's such an amazing, really funny guy. But his 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 agents didn't want him to get out yeah. of the cage because he's they were worried. But when he saw his first sharks and saw us out of the cage filming them and filming him mm-hmm. from outside of the cage in, he's like, man. I don't feel like a real man. I want to get out there with those sharks. They seem majestic and beautiful. And he started calling himself Sharkilo O'Neal and Shakwa Man. And like, uh, he literally, literally changed. He went from being wow. fearful to not knowing to loving them. Mm-hmm. And I've been really lucky to take a lot of athletes, Michael Phelps, uh, Ronda Rousey, uh, Mike Tyson, a bunch of other random, you know, celebrities. Charlize. Like, <laughs> yeah, Charlize. Most of the athletes. Uh, out to see sharks and it completely changes them. They could have had the most. I took the Navy SEAL that killed bin Laden to see great white sharks and bull really? sharks and tigers. And he had seen some of the craziest stuff on the planet. And he said, this is the most intense, incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. So, I mean, we're talking, we're here because of sharks. We met out in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. And- well, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, to, to talk about that and, it's like when when you go to the Bahamas, you know, most uh, you typically you stay at, you know, the uh, Bimini Big Game, which is a big fishing area. And you, you go out there and there's the single boat that's going out for the shark diving. And then there's 50 boats that are going out fishing. And I just want to go up to those boats and go, come get on this boat. You know, you don't need to be catching, you know, come come get in the water and get that photo. You know? Right. And it's yeah, yeah it and then. That's all it takes because, you know, I, I grew up diving. You know, my, my dad was an instructor and I, you know, I was essentially born with a regulator in my mouth. But we were doing Caribbean diving, so I never really experienced the sharks. And with Jaws, I had that fear. And even as a kid, you know, I'm in the Caribbean going, where's, you know, where's the shark? Where's the shark? And we got out of, the, out of the business for, God, 20 years. And I just got back into it about 10 years ago. And my first trip was Guadalupe. And... Oh, wow. I just, I, I, fe- not, not that, but it was, it was a previous one. And I, I just, I fell in love and that's all I wanted to do. And I, so I started asking around about other trips and other sharks. And, and I started hearing about Tiger Beach and somebody was that I was talking to as I, you know, about the process and what that was like, cause it's all open water. You're not in a cage. And this friend of mine, she's like, yeah, well you go and you, you know, you get out there and the lemon sharks, they show up right away and they circle the boat. And then, you know, you, you fall in just in the middle of all these lemon sharks and you go to swim up under them and get down to the bottom. And then the tigers start showing up. I'm going, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, I, I got to do this. But I was so nervous because it's, you know, first time in open water. But when you get there and you literally fall into the middle of these lemons, and they're just, they're all around you and they're not out to eat you. And the second you see that in, I saw a video with you the other day. You were talking about that. You know, when you're in the water with sharks, how peaceful it is. And it, it really is. It's so, it's strangely, it's so relaxing. You know, I've, really I've got is. a photo with, yeah, with 20 lemons just circling around me. And I'm just, I'm at, I'm in utter peace. <laughs> and if you tried to do that with a clan of hyenas or a pride of lions, like that's yes. why I'm saying that these are like the most polite predators on earth because 
you can interact with these predators that could rip your face off and devour you, especially when there's 20 of them left. I mean, one of them could do that to you. Imagine if all 20 decided, you know what, Rodney looks tasty today, but yeah. it doesn't really happen. Occasionally there's mistaken identity, of course, but you had mentioned uh, born with a regulator in the mouth. Uh, funny thing is in 48 hours, I'm taking my family to the Turks and Caicos to, to get Ace, my, uh, my son, officially scuba certified. He's eight mm -hmm. years old. You know, off the radar, he's been scuba diving in our pool, going deeper than they're, they're going to even let him in the class. He's been out to Guadalupe in a cage on a regulator down to 15 feet. He's, uh, you know, he's well versed in it. But your your fascination mm -hmm. developed as a child. And uh, my kids are, you know, almost desensitized to the shark stuff. They're like, OK, Dad. Yeah, sharks. We know they're not out yeah. there. <laughs> they love them. And when they tell their friends, they can't believe it. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about that because you have a couple of children, right? Yep. And two. Uh, two. And so, like you say, from, from probably in utero, they were being familiarized <laughs> with the sharks. So how have you and your wife uh, balanced teaching about the thrill and the beauty and the sociability of sharks with, you know, the reality that there are still sharks? I mean, how, how, how do you do that with your kids and with other kids? Because I imagine education is a huge part of what you the do. The same way I do it with adults, really. It's like everyone like <laughs> tries to over, over dramatize what I do in my, my career as a, a, as a wildlife filmmaker or whatever. And they're always like, what's the most dangerous situation you've ever been in? I'm like, uh, Uber driver at midnight in San Francisco, <laughs> running to the airport. Like any of the play, any of the statistical events that can kill you so much more often than sharks. Yes, we've had a few close calls. Uh, my wife almost got decapitated by a tiger shark at Tiger Beach, like full on tiger. Me too. Uh, yeah, tigers, <laughs> complete close. mouth open around her head. She, we yeah. it's all on video. We'll never share yeah. it with anyone because it's very. She saved her own life by me screaming, what the, how do you, I, I, I couldn't understand that she didn't realize what was happening. She heard me scream underwater. She thought she was in the shot. It was for a GoPro launch video for their Hero 2 housing that made the GoPros in focus. And she thought she was in the way of my shot, but I like, literally, I was like, what the F? How do you not notice there's a shark trying to decapitate you? And she she moved out of the way thinking she was in the frame messing up the shot, but oh she did at the last second push the shark away. She has blonde hair. The shark was being um, baited in with big mahi-mahi fillets, which are white, big, flaky mm. fillets. Her ponytail looked just like it. Less, Plus, less it was a frustrating. <laughs> yeah, so... But for our kids, we just kind of, um, we don't really need to tell them a whole lot. They've seen so many films now with us and they realize that humans are way more dangerous and that cars are more dangerous and that, uh, yeah. So we, we've taken them to out of the cage uh, with the great hammerheads in Bimini. Um, we've taken them out of the cage with a, with a bunch of uh, uh, reef sharks. Um, and you do see sometimes the sharks see them as a smaller target, a smaller <laughs> a potential bite-sized object. Um, so you just have to use common sense. But at the end of the day, you know, there's been plenty of tests with human blood. Everyone's like, oh, my God, if I'm bleeding, are they going to come and find me and eat me? And it, it, like uh, Mythbusters did human blood versus fish blood. Yeah. And they ripped the bags open. There's almost zero response to human blood. It's com it's completely not something they're interested in. It doesn't smell, taste good mm. to them. Imagine if you smelled burning plastic as opposed to pizza. I mean, probably not the best correlation there, but 
Anyway, bottom line is um, I think that they've learned that um, sharks are really valuable. They're important. And, and sometimes people that don't live by the ocean are like, why do I care about sharks? Who cares? They live in the ocean. It's like if you breathe oxygen, exactly. you should give a shit about sharks. You should care <laughs> about them. So anyway. And you find that that's happening more and more. You mentioned that more people are, when they experience it particularly, they become advocates for the shark. Yeah. I have not met anybody who has said they, when the, after shark diving, they're like, yeah, these are monsters. I want to kill them. Yeah. You know, Mike Tyson was, we asked Mike Tyson at first, he was really nervous when he got in. He's like, wow, these are amazing. These are like gods. These are like amazing mythical creatures. You're like, you want to do it again? He's like, no, I'm good, man. He's like, I'll come back. But it wasn't like he was dying to get back in again. And it's not for everybody, obviously. And obviously some people see certain people doing like Ocean. She's famous for riding the dorsal fins of sharks. And she's stopped that a lot. She stopped that in, in current times. But a lot of people give her a hard time because they're like, yeah. well, now anyone's going to try to do that and they could get eaten. It's like, hey, I see uh, Red Bull base jumpers jumping off of cliffs in Norway and flying down the mountain. I don't want to do that. I know I can't do that. Like, right. put it into perspective. But at the same time, um, you know, I don't like to see fellow conservationists and people that are really trying to do good attacking each other because it just dilutes the whole yeah. the whole yeah. cause, the whole the whole initiative. Like, fight against the real people that are killing sharks and decimating the oceans, not other people. It's like a popularity contest. I think it's funny. I try to not get involved, but I, I find it sad as well at the same time. You mentioned yeah. you mentioned ocean a couple of times. Could you just tell our listeners because I'm you know you all are in the club here. <laughs> you know. Yeah. This well, Ocean Ramsey. Tell us who she, tell yeah, tell us who she is. she's she's the most famous female shark diver on the planet. Um, she's got an incredible, uh, incredible experience. She's got a credible, incredible attitude. And like I said, she catches a lot of flack. She's got millions of followers on social media. Uh, she swam with a big, great white uh, many years ago out of Guadalupe. She got sort of famous for riding on its dorsal fin. And, oh, you know, okay. she was peacefully interacting. <laughs> then they had another encounter in Hawaii, which was an even bigger shark. They thought it was deep blue, but it was three different sharks. But she genuinely is trying to do good. She genuinely runs uh, ecotourism operations. They do beach cleanups. They try to spread awareness and getting people to love sharks. Rodney, I mean, she was out there with us on the trip. Uh, I think she's genuinely a great person, but she can walk the walk and talk the talk. As in, I've been in with the water with her many times, and she's faster, more alert, more agile, mm. and better with the sharks than almost anyone I've ever met in my life. Like, So she doesn't just play a shark diver on television she is the real <laughs> real deal yeah it's it it is interesting you know the, the the people that are giving her a hard time and they these are the ones that are that are doing nothing to yeah. you know to to bring awareness and mm. yeah you know, maybe you know maybe she shouldn't be touching the shark but she's doing so many amazing things to bringing awareness and you know stopping this you know the killings and so yeah it's I, and, and 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 she's she's a she's an easy target because she's you know attractive and and, and just a, a a woman in this business you know yeah. it's She's it's, like a Barbie doll, essentially, yeah, a swimming Barbie yeah. doll. And, um, and again, like you said, a lot of the people that are attacking her, I just believe it's jealousy. It's like they, exactly. they're not getting the attention. <laughs> they're not doing half as much as she is. 
uh, so that they attack her. But I mean, we see that with with everything. So I everything. think it's a shame. But you're never going to really convert haters. I think I I love haters. I think I think they're great. I think it's good to see the other side. I think it's funny to watch them crucify themselves online yeah, with stupid right? comments and show their real colors. But life's too short to focus on the negative sides. And like um, I know Ocean just kind of per, uh, perseveres and pushes through it. Her you husband to, yeah. won. Her mm-hmm. husband, Juan Oliphant, Juan Sharks, he goes by on Instagram, whatnot. He's an amazing dude. I knew them before they even met each other. I was friends with Juan before he met Ocean, and then I met Ocean through Juan. And uh, they're like the power couple, like the, the Angelina yeah. Yeah, and Brad of, of right. the shark world. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're doing amazing things, and it's yeah, they're they're teamwork together. It's just they're they're incredible to to watch. So it's you mentioned uh, back in the the seventies and after the Jaws uh, episode, and then all these people were going out and hunting them and killing them and, and using them as trophies. Um, how endangered today, and how uh, of extinction, either certain uh, species or sharks in general? How would you uh, evaluate that? Like we've been talking to people. We've been talking to people about the elephants and about the rhinoceroses, and um, so what's their status in terms of uh, real danger? So I mean, there's so many different species of sharks. It's debatable how many exact species now. You can easily say well over 500 specifically mm. shark species, not even accounting right. like rays and and uh, other elasmobranchs, but. Bottom line is like most of the data is coming from fisheries. They're like, wow, we're catching so few mako sharks and so little hammerheads now. So a lot of the, the mm. catch in historical fisheries data is showing sharp, sharp declines. There's really nowhere sharks can hide anymore. Nowhere tuna can hide. Like human fishing practices are so advanced now with helicopters and GPS and locators. And they're using every bit of technology to locate the schools of fish, track them down, catch them, harvest them. Um, so... It's hard to say. I'm definitely not a scientist. Uh, there's there's definitely numbers in there, but we've seen a sharp decline in many shark mm. species. And like um, people, like I said, they often like try to uh, conceptualize why is it hard to to why are sharks even important? And a friend of mine told me like, well, you know, if you think about it, like let's take turtles for example, and let's pretend turtles only got eaten by tiger sharks. Now, if you killed all the tiger sharks on the planet, and turtles now had no predators. They would eat up every bit of seagrass they possibly could because now nowadays turtles eat seagrass, but they're looking over their shoulder. They're they're anti-predatory. They they need to be alert to stay alive. Otherwise, if they just had their head down mowing the grass, they would get predated on by all the tiger sharks or even other species. If you remove that predator um, predator threat, now the turtles eat up all the seagrass. What does seagrass do? It's not only the largest, most productive carbon sink, carbon capture device on the planet. It's also habitat for small little fish that feed the big fish. If there are no little fish in the ocean, there will be no big fish. And anyone that wants to eat salmon or tuna or any other fish, they're gone because those tiger sharks disappeared. I mean, that's a catastrophic look at it all. But if you start removing predators from each ecosystem, each niche, and their prey species then has free game to do whatever the hell they want, um, it's just it's all interconnected just like humans are with, with mm. each other and the planet and the climate and everything else. I mean, I, again, I'm no like ecologist or biologist or perfect expert, but it's pretty commonsensical to me. Um, and again, I mean, Rodney, wh- what do you think? What's your take? I mean, it's, it's hard to really get people. Why? I mean, there's plenty of sharks yeah. out there. We can kill as many <laughs> as we want. There's slow. I, know, I, 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 I don't, I don't get it. Um, and I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. It's just one of these random thoughts that popped in my head. And, you know, with sharks, 
everybody, you know, there's not everybody, but there's this, there is this fear of them. And, but we we're still going into their environment. And if, if, you know, we're going to the beach and the government steps in and it's like, oh, we got these sharks, we've got to get rid of them. You know, we got to keep our beaches safe. Well, if you go anywhere else, if you go to Africa, you're not going to jump in a hippo pool. You know, you're not going to jump in the water with crocodiles. <laughs> you know, it's, you're, you're going to go, oh, there's a crocodile in there, so I'm not going to go. But you do that, right? Uh, well, yeah, we do, but <laughs> most, <laughs> most, on, most sane people here. don't. <laughs> most sane people don't, right. But why, you know, what, what is that mentality that we have to, you know, we have to kill all these sharks to keep the water safe, mm -hmm. but, you know, oh, we'll leave the hippos alone and we'll leave the, you know, the crocodiles alone. And I mean, hell, elephants kill more people a year than sharks do, but we love, we love elephants. You know, why, I, I wish I knew. I mean, all I can go back to is, the, you know, how they're vilified in, in movies, you know, and, you know, they've got big, scary teeth and, you know, elephants have pretty tusk and a trunk. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. I mean, they're I, easy to paint as the villain for sure. And, you know, the ocean's a foreign place for many people. Way more people drown every year than, I mean, put it into perspective. Last year in the United States, there was one fatal attack from a shark. One fatal attack on a human. It was on the uh, Christmas Eve, five, six days left till the end of the year. There hadn't been a single attack the entire year. And then the great whites were like, well, we got to keep up our reputation a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> a body border. A body on border. The job. Moro Bay was killed by a great white that, in yeah. murky water at a river mouth where it was raining. All these basically perfect storm of events. I'm not trying to blame that person, but it's pretty easy to see why it happened. And it was an area where they're hunting seals. The California coast is a known hotspot for great whites. So it's sad, but I mean, it's the reality. I mean, to me, if I was killed by a shark, It'd be so much of a cooler story for my brothers to tell at the bar. Like, oh, yeah. What happened to Andy? Oh, he got eaten alive by a great white shark. Holy cow, that's amazing. Or, oh, yeah, he got, he got killed in a, in a Volkswagen. Like, it's, again, I'm, I'm joking around here, but at the same time, like, yeah. people need to, this is, this is planet Earth. We're not just the only super species here. I mean, to me, COVID, COVID was a perfect example of Mother Nature coming in and saying, mm -hmm. hey, God, if you keep disrespecting me, disrespecting mm -hmm. the planet, I'm going to give you a tiny little taste of what I can do. Five million dead people later, here we are still. Uh, again, I don't want to get political or even talk about COVID, but I just think humans need to realize that we are part of a food chain as well. We're part of an overall ecosystem, and we can't just be above the law and above everything because uh, sharks can. If they want to eat us for breakfast, they they would every day. But we're Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've you know I'm I'm gonna I'm calling out a bunch of my friends right now. I won't call their names, but yeah, I, I've got a, a friend of mine from high school. He he's you know he's a fisherman, and a while ago he posted a photo he's down at the coast here in Texas and caught uh, I don't remember what kind it was, but you know caught a shark and posted a picture of it, and everybody's going, oh wow, that's so cool, that's so amazing. There wasn't one single person that called him out, and I was the only one that did. But because they were my because they were my friends, they were they were afraid to attack me back. You know, I, I nobody said a word. But if I had done that randomly on you know Mark the Shark or whoever you know any of that kind of stuff, you you just you get obliterated. But yeah, I I just I don't I don't understand that mentality. Why people you know, like if if I went to Africa and shot an elephant, I, my friends would just destroy me. But if I if I had if I caught a shark and posted that picture, I, I would get 500 likes and comments about how cool that was. 
And I, I, I just, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't understand. I'm trying to do my part, but it's. <laughs> I see the, I see the reason for killing animals for subsistence and to, for survival. And if you're going to eat that animal, I don't recommend eating top predators. They collect the heavy metals, the mercury, right? <laughs> sterilize yourself and not get a vasectomy. Then go for it. Eat as much shark as you possibly can. But to me, it's like if. If you're sustaining yourself and there's certain cultures that do eat shark and they go out and they kill the animal and they eat the whole thing and they they it's something that keeps them going, keeps them alive because it's their only option. We as like Americans and as uh, these first world countries that like to point fingers, oh, you shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that. There's certain times where I believe it is sustainable. It is okay. And then there's the other side where there's shark fin soup and the greed and the mafia and the, mm-hmm. the black market that just is doing it purely for profit. That's effed up, and I, I think that's completely unsustainable. So, I mean, there's always a way to look at it. I mean, even like Joe Rogan, uh, I don't listen to his show, but I know a lot of my friends do, and they are really furious with him about the, his comments on wolves in Yellowstone, thinking that it's okay to go murder wolves. What they don't realize is that wolves, just like the tiger sharks with the turtles, wolves keep the prey items in check. They keep the prey yeah. items athletic, healthy. The hunters would get better overall rewards and better overall hunts with healthier prey items, healthier elk, than a bunch of lazy elk sitting around because there's no wolves after them. I mean, I don't know. It's That's out of my lane kind of thing. But I think when people just blanket want to kill apex predators, well, it's it's pretty messed up. Well, yeah, and they, they just recently did a, a scientific study on all that and how bringing the, the wolves back. The whole had, ecosystem. Yeah, right brought back. the, the yeah, system everything. back, you know, in Yellowstone. Yeah, there's a beautiful documentary on that. Yeah, that. yeah there's well, a whole right. paper, a famous paper called The Ecology of Fear, all about mm. the ecology of fear of animals. Mm. I know that if I walk across the street, especially anywhere in America or any metropolitan city, I better look both ways or somebody's going to hit me. I don't care if there's a stop mm-hmm. sign, a stoplight. You should pay attention. If they killed all the cars and made cars illegal, and then you could just randomly walk across the street, a motorcycle <laughs> would hit you. Something else would kill you. You can't get lazy and let, like, just try to play God in every respect. And then when you think about Australia, where they go and call, like you were talking about, we don't go in and call a bunch of crocodiles and hippos so someone can swim around in St. Lucia and South Africa and be like, wow, this is really murky, nasty water, but I want to do it. It's my right to swim here as a human. It's just weird, like in Australia, where they go out and actively cull sharks, and they think it's actually making a difference, or they think it's right. like denting. If anything, they're drawing in more predators to these drum lines, these nets, drawing in more focus to the beaches for predation activity. It it just drives me crazy. I don't really know how to how to handle it. So, well, my my very first introduction to sharks was when I was six, and we were on the Chesapeake Bay on a little family vacation. And there's an area that is famous for the shark teeth that sharks teeth that wash up on the shore. So, you know, my dad takes me out there and we're collecting. We put them in these old tin coffee cans back when coffee came into us. And I asked my dad, I said, how do they lose their teeth? He goes, well, honey, they lose their teeth just like you do. <laughs> he said, you know, you got to learn about sharks and these are their teeth. And I would have these big tins and they were like my, my precious things. You I still would, have them? I might have a few. Is that a shark's tooth around your neck or arrow? Well, I'm going to say yes, but it's a lie. This is (laughs) a a stone. Whale tail. The whale tail. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, you got the whale tail, yeah. And this this is actually my, this is my Jane Goodall. It's, um, you you know, the the chimpanzee that she released, and when she let it out of the cage, it came up and hugged her. This This is his footprint. 
No way. Hey, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> have you been uh, have you been in the area where she was studying them or in, in any I haven't really done no, any I, like I, big crime. No, I, I haven't done anything. Um yeah, I haven't it, it's on my list, but I haven't yeah, I haven't done that yet. But, cool, man. But yeah, I, 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 she came through Austin and a couple years ago and did a speech here at the Paramount and so I got, you know, I got to meet her. So that was that was that was super cool. So, yeah. And are you guys in Austin right now? We're outside of Austin. Just outside, about yeah. 45 minutes. In yeah. the That's cool. Country. Like We thought about yeah. moving out of Florida and moving to Austin just because oh. I hear it's a beautiful place. I did one film shoot there at a place called Barton Springs, wherever yeah. that, yeah. somewhere down in the in, down there. And, um, yeah, and then good old Elon's there with SpaceX and Tesla and all that. Like seems like a big boom well, going on. And Joe Rogan's here. <laughs> Come on. There you go. <laughs> Uh, well, it's a, it's a, it's the sane and civil part yeah. <laughs> of Texas with beautiful country and so, yeah, lots we're, of trees. Yeah, we're actually we're in Wimberley. We're about Wimberley. 40, 40 minutes musicians and of artists Austin. and yeah. podcasters. Yeah. Podcasters, yeah. Yeah. people. So, oh, cool. yeah, where's, Tra- where's your closest shark activity? Um, uh, the coast. Well, yeah. well, we call it the coast. I mean, yeah. uh, the yeah, Gulf you, of Mexico. You don't want to dive here, but. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, B- Bimini's probably the easiest, you know, the, right. you know, for for us. Cool. Or or how you know Guadalupe, you know, it's we're we're equidistant, so. Right. So that's our next goal. He's taking me on a shark dive somewhere. There or you somewhere. go. Do you do you are you do you have yours this year? I do. I'm running four this year, and I'm probably oh, good. bring my family out again as well. Um, I'm running them on the bigger boat now, so it's easier to have the kids run around without falling off and uh, <laughs> uh but yeah not knowing about it yeah exactly <laughs> it's cool just like um out of all the people i've taken shark diving i've had like uh police and paramedics uh psycho uh psychoanalysts um mm. uh suicide survivors that said that that sharks saved their life and watching me on shark week helped them get through it and People there were ghost hunters, total people that if you looked at politically like super hardcore Republicans, super hardcore liberals. But when they get on the boat on Facebook, they would hate each other. But when they got on the boat, out of the <laughs> like 150 people that I've taken shark diving now or more, maybe 200, none of them have ever argued. They're all united by sharks, wow. which is so cool because they, like I said, on the Internet, if they never met each other and they saw each other's comments, they probably would uh, hate each other. There was actually a guy hey, from yeah. Boston there, uh, and he was wearing a bracelet that said, I'm vaccinated and proud of it. He was a Texan dude. And most people would think, oh, these guys from Texas, they wouldn't be vaccinated. And anyway, the people from another place weren't vaccinated, but they didn't yell about it. They didn't fight about it. Nobody cared. Like It's like all the politics goes out the window and everyone's focused on their passion. And I think mm-hmm. that's an amazing way to unite people. So, yeah. That's cool. I mean, we met there and yeah, I I love that thought, Andy Brandy, because to me that just speaks so much more deeply about what unites us and how the things that, that we fight about become secondary um, when we're united around a passion or something that we can learn to care about. So I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. So maybe the answer, get everybody on a shark boat. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're so caught up on politics and your biggest hero is a politician, you need to get out more. You need to realize that there's right. more to life 
than Republican and Democrat. Like if that rules your life, I feel so bad for you. But I also don't care at the same time. You you want to do that? Great. But there are so many amazing things on this planet. You only die once. So to me, it's like important to live every single day. That's what I'm teaching my kids. I met my wife in the Serengeti. I was on a 105-day mm-hmm. line for National Geographic. I met Emma. Uh, she's from Sweden. She was backpacking through the Serengeti with her cousin. And we met, love at first sight. We even joked the first night we met that we'd have seven killed kids and live on a, a sailboat. We only have two kids. We have no sailboat, but we've been together now for 17 years, all because I chased my passion for sharks, which then got me a job at National Geographic, which then sent me to Africa to make lion films. And it all we, we took our kids there this summer to show them the place, the very spot we first met. Uh, and my daughter, my daughter, Nova, she was funny. She's like, can you can you reenact the romance? <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> Yeah, that's cool though too. I I didn't realize that uh, you know I just I've always known you as you know the shark guy, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that you were so established in you know because Africa is one of my it's it, sharks in Africa. It's just my my two biggest passions, and I it, it, if I was offered either trip for free, I don't know which I'd do, you know because they're just. Well, yeah, you can get politics. sharks in Africa, so I would take Africa. True. <laughs> sharks, gorillas, the sardine run. I lived in South Africa for three years, um, and it, and I love. I've been back every single year for twenty years now. The only year I missed was twenty twenty when everybody missed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what an incredible place! And my kids have been there multiple times now. We plan uh, every every time they wrap the school year right around June first. We take them out of America. And overseas uh, to Africa, we go to Sweden every summer um, and we just kind of switch it up. And they um, I think they learn so much more in the real world than they do in school and school. Oh, like I went yeah. to four, four different <laughs> universities. Yeah. And I memorized I got, I got a 4.0 straight A average in every single school just because I could memorize and regurgitate. Memorize. Regurgitate. Yes, it helped me a little bit. But the things I learned out of school while I was traveling and real world, uh, real world experience, there's like no substitute for it. So, I mean, you guys, I'm sure you you probably learned some stuff in school, too. But the stuff you learn in the field completely, you know, I, I don't I don't remember anything from school. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think there's some songs about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not, it's just let's you know, write one. Yeah, you know, geography is the, the top, you know, it's how I many all the stuff that they teach you in geography. And it's that it's just memorize, regurgitate the capitals. But I, yeah, you don't remember any of that stuff. But the yeah. second you go there, it's just it's locked yeah, in your brain. It's just it's, burned in. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, my dad was in the military, so I crossed the Atlantic in a prop plane the first time, and I was two, you know, my poor mother. (laughs) My brother was five, but but living different places and and working so many places that, you know, countries, I often had to get the atlas and, you know, look up where am I going. But boy, those experiences just... They just make you a better person and a, I think, more interesting person. Mm-hmm. Certainly made you an interesting person, yeah. Rodney. So, so yeah. um, I want to talk more about Guadalupe. Uh, it's 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 the only great white trip that I've done. Um, you know, you've obviously done several. It's and for I mean, people that are trying to get you know the we're the ones that we're trying to convince to go and do this. I think Guadalupe is probably the the, the spot to go, especially for ease. I mean, the crossing's a little brutal, but once you're there, you know, it's, I mean, it just, it's such, 
easy diving and it's so much fun and it's a, it's actually a very relaxing trip but of of all the 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 shark trips that you've done what's what's your top what's so just like you said there uh, i've done 17 unique locations around the world to film and study great white sharks uh i can't name all 17 i have i actually have the list on my iphone which is mm -hmm. right in front of me. but um out of south africa australia new zealand cape cod california uh, uh mexico um uh where else um I already said South Africa. Anyway, and a lot of those locations have multiple uh, hotspots. Um, Guadalupe is by far, because of the visibility, the mm -hmm. calmness of the water, the bay there that we work in, it's the most protected, pristine, beautiful place to dive with great white sharks on the planet. Because it, of all those reasons, the visibility is like Hawaii. South Africa has the most horrific viz ever. It's cool because you get really mystique and really like uh, scary shots to them coming out of the murk. But for an ecotourist um, experience, Guadalupe, like you said, the crossing, you're going sometimes 18 hours on a boat. It's going up and down. But if you go August, September, usually the weather's really good. If you get later in the season, October, November, it can also be flat and nice. But to me, it's like I took my little kids there. My, my kids were, what, uh, five and seven when they went. Mm -hmm. And they loved it. They, they couldn't mm -hmm. get I was I was a little... We had trained them up in the pool on the regulators to make sure they were comfortable. And I thought that my, my daughter might want to, might do it once. And, and I, you know, it's probably not, it's a, a stereotype. I thought, Oh, my son, he's going to do really well. But my daughter was in there. She wanted to go in without us. She was asking to go with my friends and my son Ace did too. He got a bit cold. We didn't really have the perfect wetsuits for them, but um, all in all, like it's life-changing. It's, it's, I mean, I, I've been there every year. First time I went to Guadalupe was 2006. And I've been there every single year except for 2020, multiple times, and never gets old. Because you come to, like, learn the sharks' names. You come to learn their, their personalities. They become your friends. It's like <laughs> – and then there's margaritas, yeah. lemon food. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that was that was my other thing that I was I wanted to bring up was what is such a cool part of Guadalupe is the naming of the sharks. Yeah. How, and, who gets to name them? Well, it's yeah. You. But how does that happen? It's if there's a shark that you know shows up that hasn't ever been documented or seen. If there's a there's an organization I forget the name of it. I'm sure you know it. The but if you, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you you send in you've got to send in the, the two profile shots. And then if you're the first person to send these in, you get to name it. And my very first trip, I actually had one and the guy was supposed to get with me and I emailed him. He never got back. And I don't know what happened, but I totally missed my opportunity. But that brought me to, I don't know I, if this hasn't been done, I don't know why, but now it really has to be done. But since you're there so much, I'm just putting this out there, but there's gotta be a Betty white shark. There we go. I like that. <laughs> it's funny because I, I I photograph a lot of the sharks out there. A lot of them were their new sharks, but I've named maybe seven sharks now. And I, I stopped because I feel like it's not fair uh, where I, I'm going to take up all the names. But I named one Emma, Ace, Nova, Monkey, another one Oscar after my Swedish brother. And then I named one Andy, I, uh, the funniest looking one. It's missing part of its tail. It has a funny face. <laughs> heads drooped over. But, um, but often when I take my uh, clients, I do these cinema science expeditions and we teach them about uh, the research that's involved. Some people want to get into the filmmaking and the photography business. 
Some people are more interested in just the adrenaline junkie, bucket list, shark diving, drinking experience. But a lot of my clients now, I we go through every night and check the uh, the profile shots, and then I let them name them because I don't feel uh, I feel guilty by naming too many. But Betty White, we're gonna get her out there for sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about the background noise. This was the oh, is that the lawnmower? Is that our cue? <laughs> so, yeah, I've, They're I've, hard to come by, I know. I've, so. I've got one other question. I want to know how many GoPros you've gone through. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm in my workshop right now, and uh, I just have a – it's like a dead GoPro graveyard in here. Um, and uh, But over the years, I have gone through a lot. I've been with GoPro officially since the, the Hero 1 I just was on a call with them yesterday, actually, about live streaming at Guadalupe because this year yeah. I'm going to try to do live streaming with Great White Sharks this August uh, underwater. So they're still working out all the logistics for that. But um, yeah, GoPros are incredible because really they put like an, a, a professional con- professional content capture device in the hands of anybody, even my kids. Like anyone, it's like a one button push. As long as it's dialed in, a lot of my clients have actually shot footage that's got onto Shark Week. I help them negotiate the contracts, get paid for it, and uh, you know, it's the GoPros are amazing, man. But you're 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 past the GoPros. What do you shoot with? I well, my underwater rig is all uh, Nikon D850, but I I just got the Z9, and I mean, I literally I've had it like I, well, I got it two weeks ago, and when I bought it. I wasn't even thinking that there was, it's a different card. So I get this thing home and I'm going, I don't have a card for this. So, so I just got the card and I shot it the first, for the first time the other night, I had a thing with Billy Gibbons and I, I, so I was, and it it just, it's, yeah, it's, it's insane. And I mean, and eventually, yeah, it's because somebody, um, I was reading something just recently and they were talking about they got it and there's just ridiculous wait list right now because they're just, you know, they're not being processed fast enough, but like everything else. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. But I mean, being, being filmmakers and photographers to me is like the greatest job in the world because I, I often, you know, I wanted to be a marine biologist. I wanted to be a shark scientist when I was young and I moved to South Africa to work with a research team. I was taking photographs back then with slide film and I was taking the most horrible photographs in history. They're all out of focus. Uh, I, you know, I was mainly trying to do dorsal fin identification, but anyway, I was assisting these scientists and national geographic came down to make a documentary about what we were doing, offered me a job as a safety diver, uh, to back up the, the primary cameraman. And at that time I was starting to push the envelope a little bit with the sharks. They thought I was a bit crazy, hardworking, passionate. They offered me a job in Nat Geo. And then I, by total accident, I became a filmmaker. And But I often tell people, that's why I love the whole concept of cinema science, where you can write the best research paper on earth and a few thousand people might read it. But you can make one short YouTube video and billions of people watch yeah. it. So the power of media and the power of audio visual is so much more um so much more pervasive than just text on paper. And I'm I'm not trying to discredit science at all. I'm a massive fan of science. I think cinematography and science really complement each other. But working as a filmmaker, it's an extreme honor because we really are inspiring people. And Mm -hmm. it's so much fun to get out there, do the dangerous stuff, come back with the goods, 
have it all polished up. You're sitting on your couch or you're still back out in the field again. It's broadcasting to millions, if not billions. And it's just like this constant uh, gratification process. And then passing it on to kids and other people, it just gets better and better and better. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a great way to, I think, wrap up and the passing it on to people and your kids, which ultimately is what this is all about for you and for many, many others. And for people like myself who have learned so much by listening to people like you before I get down to Guadalupe in the, the actual experience. Well, I'm working my way up to it, Andy. He's got four Randy. trips, so pick <laughs> one. <laughs> I, want the, I want the least bumpy boat ride. To me, that's scarier than any well, shark. That, that's, but. <laughs> that's what your, your seasick pill and your, your bottle of there wine get you through yeah, it. So. Right. <laughs> I appreciate uh, being a part of this, and uh, sorry Thank it took so, so long much. to line it up. We're really grateful that we, you made the time for us, and we can't wait to get this out on our podcast, which is now a video podcast on YouTube, and get the word out to so many more people, just exactly like you said. So thank you so much, Andy, Brandy, yeah. Casa thank you, Grandi. Andy. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, guys. So once again, we would like to thank not only our special guests, Andy, Brandy, Casa Grandi, but we also want to be sure to thank Rupert Neve Design, who very graciously supplies some of our equipment for this wonderful experiment and experience that we're having with our podcast. We want to thank Donovan Frankenreiter for our intro and our outro music. And we also want to thank KWVH 94.3 FM, WimberlyValleyRadio.org, our local radio station, who rebroadcasts our podcast on a weekly basis. You can find us under Passports and Poets under their uh, their shows and their programming. So we want to thank uh, the radio station for that. And we most of all, we want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in again and helping make these conversations about the power of place, the places that change us, and why it matters. Mm-hmm.